Hello, everyone. My name is Mary Smith with an Educator's Legacy podcast. Welcome today uh, to my show. And I am super excited because I have two good-looking hunks of burning love here named uh, Carl Dunn and Miguel Hernandez. They are both elementary school teachers. And yes, elementary school teachers are cute. Who knew, right? It's not just the coaches, guys. Elementary school teachers are cute too. Okay, so Carl is I've known for the longest, so I'm going to start with him. He is a 36-year veteran coming up this year, this school year. He's had 24 years at the large school district in Houston that I met him at. Before that, he was a uh, elementary school teacher for a private Lutheran school in New Orleans and Miami. He did one year of reading in Richmond, and he is currently teaching um, elementary language arts, reading and writing for bilingual students or ESL, ESL students. Okay. He is a tutor on the sides for reading and writing for second through fifth grade students. So if you need a tutor, you can uh, get his contact information in the show notes. Uh, And that's, I mean, all you have to do is go there and we'll have his email address and you can contact him through there. And if you need a tutor, his background is from Concordia University, where he has a bachelor, a BA degree in elementary education. Also joining me today is Miguel Hernandez. Miguel is a seventh year. He's got seven years um, coming up is his seventh year. He graduated from University of Houston downtown with a BA in elementary ed, and he has had he has t- now listen to this, guys. This uh, he has had taught fourth grade language arts, fifth grade language arts, second grade math and science, fifth grade math and, math and science, third grade language arts, and next year he's going to be teaching fifth grade math. So he's got quite the diverse experience behind him, which is actually going to bid well for him when he goes into administration eventually. Right? I'm hoping that maybe he'll yeah. go into administration eventually. I think he's kind of got some ambitions to to uh, move on into a leadership position. And honestly, that's kind of what we want for a lot of our teachers. We want them to move on if that's if that's what they're looking to do. We want to support them in that in that goal to uh, step out and get comfortable in leadership. But here's the burning question, right? Because you're think I know every time I see a man in education, my first thought is, how come they're not like doing something where they can earn more money? Because I know that I want to earn more money, and I'm not the uh, norm in education. For I mean, I I am well, I'm never normal. But the um, when you you typically don't see men in education, and many times it's due to lack of paycheck. Is what it boils down to. So what made you guys decide to um, become an educator? Let's start with you, Miguel. Um, to me, it was just a passion to, to teach. Um, it, it's a lot, of, a lot, like you said, everybody was like, hey, it's not going to be the career where you make the most money. But to me, it's the career where I will make the most impact. Um, because it's not like we work with the same people every year. We have right. st- different students every year, and every every year you're passing something to the future generations of mm-hmm. of our city, our state, and our nation in general. And it's and it's that burning desire to be able to pass that knowledge to future generations that made me want to become a teacher. And you weren't concerned about the salary. Um, no, uh, because it, the thing is, is to me it's. Part of why we do this, yes, teaching is our livelihood because we have we have bills to pay. Right. We have a mortgage. We have all those those type of deals. But 
I knew that I was going to make enough to have a happy life and be able to make that impact for our students. Oh, see guys, he didn't compromise his principles to start with. I know I have compromised mine several times. Didn't, you know, I'm not proud of it, but hey, it's what it did. Okay, so Carl, tell me about why did you choose to go into education? When I was in fifth grade, one time I got caught cheating on a math test. Cheating? I was, I didn't know how to do long division. And uh, my fifth grade math teacher at the time, Mr. Lorenz, saw that I was cheating and took me out in the hallway and I, I deserved a swat of, of paddling. And uh, he talked with me and he said, you didn't know how to do your math. You don't know how to do it. I said, no, I don't. He said, all right, I know what to do. And he made a loud noise. He took two hymn books and slammed them really loud so that the kids thought I got a, a paddling. And then from there on, he went to work and showed me how to, was real patient and showed me how to do my math. And then he realized that I was really good with sports. By fifth grade, I... I knew every ball player, baseball, basketball, football. I read every book in Heights Library. <laughs> I knew so much about sports and numbers, statistics. And so he put me in charge of the girls' basketball teams doing statistics and scouting. And that's where I started learning how to use my division. And I, I still do long division today instead of using a calculator, but he got me thinking about being a teacher or a coach because before you could be a coach you had to be a teacher so yeah that that's what got me interested and then um as i was at concordia um i needed to learn in education how to work with kids with difficulties with reading difficulties and so i had a reading professor who who took me aside and showed me the ins and outs of how to to teach reading and so I realized that I was a forgotten child <laughs> yeah, and that I wanted to work with kids that were forgotten. And, and, and so as my, yes, when I got my first call, my first teaching position, I was coach and athletic director and fifth grade teacher. And then in the second position, I did, I did upper grades, fifth through eighth grade social studies as my main content area and other things. And, um, by the time I came to public school, uh, my sister told me, she says, what do you want to teach? You know, because I was going to divorce, I was, uh, everything was haywire. And I said, I want to teach fourth grade reading language and social studies because I love Texas history. Ew. <laughs> and I remember that it was a, just the hiring <laughs> process was horrible. Yeah. I mean, no, none of the districts, the big districts around here were even looking at me. And finally I got a call from one district and they invited me to go over there, and and they loved me. And uh, it was either teaching third or first, and she had to take somebody off the exit list, and they got the first choice. I wasn't ready to teach for first grade at that time. I probably can do it now with no problem. But at that time, the next day I, I heard from my current school, they uh, they sent me a message, and I, and I arrived, and. I got to teach exactly what I wanted to teach, fourth grade reading, yeah. writing, and social studies, and uh, working with kids who, who really needed help with reading and writing. And, uh, and that's what really 
that was my emphasis. I didn't care about the money. I mean, I made $11,000 my first year, two years of teaching. That means you get a second job. <laughs> <laughs> because nobody can survive on $11,000 a year. I was, it had nothing to do with the money. In fact, when I got my first check here, it was like I got a tremendous raise. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was amazing. I, I thought I was living high on the hog. It was just the the current check that yeah. I was being paid at the time, and so I remember those days when I started in in um, my large district. I started my first year. I made seventeen thousand dollars a year, and I thought I was rich. It was like whoop, you know, no more three dollars and twenty one cents an hour. Now I'm making seventeen thousand dollars a year. I am in the money. Little did I realize that wasn't enough money to support me and my kids. You know. So I had to get a second job, mm-hmm. but I thought I was making a lot more money, but basically what I was, I hadn't completely plugged the hole, but I made a really good dent in plugging that hole, you know? Well, I was lucky in Miami because one of the teachers, she, uh, because I told, you know, I, I was like an abomination those first two years. I, I was so green behind the ears. I had no idea what I was doing. And it, it was by the grace of God, this this former nun took me aside. She says, Dunn, you are a diamond in the rough. I'm going to work with you, and you're going to know, and you're going to be able to work with these ESL kids. And it was, it was, it, I didn't get paid very much there either. But, you know, what I did is it, it was my training ground to be a, a good teacher. It sounds to me, though, like, Carl, like you've had quite, a, you've had several people then that have, like, took you under their wing and said, let me help you here. I had mentors. That's uh, awesome. I had mentors along the way. It was, and it, and it wasn't just in, in the training of teaching. It was how to be. Yeah. How to be somebody. Yeah. And, you know, and uh, in New Orleans, I had two men. One of them was the director of all Lutheran schools, Hal, and the other one was Mr. Bob. Mr. Bob was a, he, uh, he, he sold pharmaceuticals. And, um, I spent many nights talking with those guys how to be a good teacher. And uh, when I came back to Houston, you know, I was thinking my dad had died, and uh, and they in the in the year that last year in New Orleans, and uh, and uh, I was looking for a new job and just saying doing something different. And uh, and every place I would go, they said, "What are you doing? You're a teacher." Right. <laughs> I had one guy tell me, he said, I can tell you have teacher written all over you. Yeah. <laughs> and it, That's and what it, happened to me when I got arrested. The cop, <laughs> said, the cop said, what is your profession? I said, do I have to tell you? And he said, I'm not going to tell your school district. And I went, how do you know I work at a school? And he said, you read teacher. And I went, really? And then I started crying because it was like, oh, my God, I read teacher. That's worse than getting arrested. <laughs> and that's what happened to me, though. It just... You know, God God knew that I needed it, that this was my calling. This is, yeah. and it still is today. Yeah, I it mean, is. And it still is today. I remember uh, when I, my second or third year, it's probably my third year, I got to teach with Alice Muir, who was just the, she took everybody under her wing. It yeah, matter, she did. She didn't, it didn't matter who she was with, she would teach them. That was another huge mentor for me. And I got to be, we were in those, in those um, portables the outside. The T-shirts. And uh, well, I called them outhouses, but <laughs> and and Nancy Summer came in one day. She's our assistant principal, and she says, "Oh, you love those kids in the learning." 
And that was the biggest compliment anybody could ever have given to me at that time. Right. And uh, but she's right. You know, it 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 was a it was a it was an awesome thing to say. And it, the good thing about our district, and it was, especially in my my earlier years in the district, you had you had to really not want to be a teacher to fail because there were so many opportunities to learn professional development. Yeah. They put you in the classroom. They let you go away. And I learned from Linda Wickman. I learned from from Pat Smith, uh, uh, Jane Humphreys. I mean, the, the stars. And they, they were just, I was coming home and trying to figure out how to teach. I mean, just there's so much there to learn, to yeah. be able to, to give away to the kids. That's the benefit of a larger district is that they have more resources. I didn't to have any you. of that. Well, yeah. Well, one thing I think that we we a lot of people don't realize is how much we work as a team, right? As teachers, like like Carl bringing up all the mentors he had or people that helped him out, and I've been I've been blessed as well too that I've had many people that it's like, hey, you know, even in my formative years, and even now there's like people like, hey, you can do this, and I'm like, absolutely, like, what do you want, like? How can I learn more mm-hmm. to be better at, at what we do? Because there's so many reasons. Like, I, I, I tell folks, I'm like, being a teacher is like being a doctor. Every every year something changes, and we have to keep up to date. And current. Yeah, and it's like it's like, like a doctor. It's not like, okay, what we did 100 years ago, we're still doing them now. No, they That's right. perfect, uh, perfected methods, and it's the same with us. We're not doing the same things that we're doing not even 5, 10 years ago. Everything has changed so much that we have to adapt as teachers and we have to be able to not just, as we learn, also pass that knowledge to right, people. Right, right. We have to be able to not just receive, but we also have to share because it, it's it's forgotten that we are a community of learners mm-hmm. as teachers. Now, we were collaborators. I mean, mm-hmm. I would take planning time and I would go watch all those star teachers like Mary in our building. Uh, I would learn. I would learn different things just by watching them. I mean, it was it was fabulous. I I never had that opportunity before being in a in a Lutheran school. I didn't have that opportunity for professional development or for collaboration. Mm-hmm. Right. And and that way I was able to. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I had sit. I would sit after school and and pick the brains of those of those mm-hmm. teachers. It was just, it was amazing. And I would still do it. I mean, you guys, I learned from you young guys and the young gals. Yeah. I, I, if I don't know someday, I remember I came to you for Google yeah. Classroom. I had no idea what I was doing. Right. And you saved me. But, but it's that, that we work as a team, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think uh, the way we work, we work as a family. And I think that makes, that makes it so much, such a better experience. And it's not just, an experience that makes it just for us. It also shows the kids, hey, they're working together. We can do this too. It's something, you know. It becomes, We're modeling. Yeah, it's, it's, it's modeling like, hey, we have to work together as well. Right. And it's one of those things that like, like we have adults working together that shows the kids, hey, we can do it too. Right. Yeah. Okay, so Carl was a contributor to my latest book uh, called A Teacher's Reflective Impact Journal, uh, where... We are. We talk about the instructional cycle, and we reflect on the instructional cycle. And Carl contributed to that work, so he is a published author's author, not Arthur, author as well. And so that's one of the tools, though, that you can use in order to grow your craft, because we do have 
lots of different things that we can use to, I mean, you can use Twitter as a PLC. You can use the Teacher's Reflective Impact Journal as a PLC. You can use your people as a PLC. We've got all kinds of opportunities out there if we're just willing to step out and step up, right? Exactly. It just, it, it, you just ask. I That's mean, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I find myself going back and looking to say, hey, you know what, I can do more. This, with this COVID-19 thing and having to be out of school for a few months, um, it made me think I have to be a very different teacher, you know, in terms of communication with parents and, uh, and trying to get everybody on board and, uh, and then having to learn the new platform of that Schoology, mm -hmm. that's gonna be brand new, but, it, it, but for us, it has everything that we actually really do all in one spot. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's going to make, make me even a better teacher, even though I'm on the, I, I have long teeth and I'm, I'm closer to the side of retirement. However, I have enough fire in me to say that, hey, I can teach, you know, with these new ideas, somebody can help me. Right. So mm -hmm. I can still be a, an effective teacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Carl is king of relationships. I got to tell you guys, in case you can't tell, he is king of relationships. That's how come he has that ability and he's not afraid to go and say, hey, will you help me? Because mm -hmm. everybody always says yes, because he's king of relationships, because everybody loves Carl. What's not to love, right? Right. Okay, so, okay, Carl, we're going to start with you on this one. Where do you think you've made the biggest impact? I think I've made the biggest impact with, it's kind of a twofold thing, with kids who needed help. You know, there's a lot of kids out there that need need help with reading or writing. They There's something that was missing, and like, like uh, uh, Miguel had mentioned about being a doctor, I always felt like I was like a doctor, having to make make suggestions and and changes to help a kid become a better reader or a better writer. But also, I have a love for uh, English as a second language, teaching kids that come from a from a different background. Probably because of my my teaching in Miami, and I'm also my teaching in New Orleans. I I grew up teaching with diversity, and so with teaching kids how to learn English and how to use but the knowledge they already have. You know, I think that, I think that's, you know, been the, the crux of my career is really helping kids grow mm -hmm. in language, mm -hmm. you know, and, and being good readers and good writers and saying, hey, I can do it. Right. And that's, that is kind of what he's king at is giving those kids the confidence boost that they need in order to stretch, to keep growing and what they're, what they're learning. He's always had this ability to make um, kids get two or three years of growth in one single year. It's amazing. And I think Miguel has the same type of thing. Um, because I had alluded earlier, I asked him, uh, why did you move around so much? And honestly, he moves around because he's flexible and because they ask him, I mean, they see a need and they know that he's willing to go above and beyond and do whatever it takes. And so, He's one of those step-up guys that just says, hey, whatever you need, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And then he does a spectacular job with it. And so, you know, he he's moving from uh, third grade language arts to fifth grade math. Yeah, we weren't one bit happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> His I'm teammates excited, are not excited. happy about it. Yeah, I, I'm still... I'm still kind of mad at him about that. <laughs> <laughs> but he's moving where they need that, the most help. 
And that's one of the great things about Miguel is his attitude of, I can do anything and I will help in any way that's needed. And that is certainly appreciated on an admin side, even if your team members aren't excited about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> they know what they're losing. Yeah. Where do you think you made the biggest impact, Miguel? Um, to me, uh, I think I just wanted it to also be, I mean, we, also, we always focus on the teaching, the teaching, the teaching. But also to me, it's from personal experience, I wanted to be the bridge between home and school. Ah. Because being a bilingual teacher um, and having being a bilingual student myself when I was a child, I was able to see, you know, my parents didn't speak any English. So going to school to ask for any help was very intimidating oh. because they didn't speak the language. Yeah. Um, and But they wanted to be part of it. But again, like I said, there was that language barrier. And um, I want to be able to be that bridge when, when parents come asking because I've had it before in the past. Parents come up to me and they feel afraid to speak to me because of the language barrier. And as soon as I speak to them in Spanish, their eyes light up like, hey, I can actually talk to this guy. I can actually be part of my child's learning. Right. And I know how hard that is because sometimes, like it or not, sometimes the kids is translating to the parents. Oh yeah, I had that a lot. And it's because I know habla español. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those things that I was like, I feel like I want to be able to remove that 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 fear the parents have to come to the school to be part of of the process because like i tell like i tell everybody it's like learning doesn't only just take place at school it takes place at school and at home right and as teachers if we and and teachers and parents come together that makes it so much easier it makes it more streamlined the learning well i think that's what we really needed we really needed to work on as we as we come into this next school year is building those relationships yeah. and i know you had that because you know we talked about you know how yeah. to, talking to parents that's a high, huge priority for me this year yeah i i, I agree with you it, it's connecting that home to school to home and, yeah. and and getting everybody involved i've always had this 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 equation if it's if it's me and the parent and the kid that's the best way yeah. For a kid to excel, if it's if it's me, if I have if I have at least two parts of the equation, you know we can get through. But if it's only me, it's not going to work. Right. So, yeah. so having to get the parents on at least the parent involved, yeah. and then or getting the child involved somehow. But if I can get everybody on the same team, that's the best equation, yep. best way to learn. Yeah, and like I said, that that's that's the the where I'm trying to make the big impact. Like I've said. I was in a point like I have had students that don't speak English, excuse me, and I've been in that spot where when I moved when I was a little kid, they moved me to a Spanish-speaking country. I barely spoke any Spanish, so I had mm. to learn on, on the fly. Then after yeah. a few years, we moved back to the States. I don't know any English anymore. And, yeah. and it's one of those things is like I want to also be able to show the kids, hey, you can do it too. Yeah, you. It's it's. I know it's difficult. Like, believe me, I know how hard it is to learn a new language or to relearn a language from you, and 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 I want them to to know that hey, you're not you're not the only one. We're gonna get to this together, and it's like it makes me think of ways that I can help those just like let's say Spanish speaking students. How can we get you to learn a language? I know it's hard. I know it's confusing. Right. I know, like having basic communication with people and like you want to talk to somebody yeah. and there's no understanding is really tough so like i said it's it's 
No, like the impact where I want to make is I want to be that bridge between our, our, our Spanish-speaking parents and our school and also to make the impact on the students like, hey, you can do this. You can learn this language. I know it's hard, but we can do it together. And like, like I said, it's just it's a learning process. Well, it sounds like you're really passionate about that. Yeah. Is that is that where your true passion lies? Yeah, like I said, it's it's something I experience. I know how hard it is. Yeah. Like like I said, not even just on the students, but also on the parents themselves. Yeah. Like the parents want to do everything that's possible for the students, and it's like, hey, you know, I can't communicate with the teacher. How are they going to understand me? How can we, how can we get our ideas? You know, and 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 it comes from the teacher too. The teacher is probably like, hey, I want to be able to tell this to the parent, or I want them to practice this at home. But how do I communicate to them? Mm-hmm. And by having that understanding, like Carl was saying, if we have that understanding between all parties, it just it, it boosts learning. Yeah, it does. So that's where your passion lies. Mm-hmm. Okay, what about you, Carl? Where's your passion lie? You already asked me that, Mary. No, I asked I you about your impact. You know, it's still the same. It goes both hand in hand. It's working with Did you hear team. how he talked to me, folks? <laughs> Witness. A, right? <laughs> it's working with kids who need, who need the help. You know, that really need me to help them fill in those gaps, but also helping those kids learn English. You know, if I can, if I can do both, and some kid, some kids overlap. Mm-hmm. You know, and that makes them even more at risk. Yeah, helping mm-hmm. those kids to be able to 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 read and write and 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 actually like reading. I mean, I remember I was a terrible reader. I mean, and it and uh, sports saved me. I mean, I've read every sports book there is in, in Heights Library. You know those little cards where you have your name on it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My name is on every, on every line on, on every book. <laughs> and, and so that's what got me into to read. It, it doesn't help. It, 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 it helps that your mom taught Sunday school for 25 years and, and used you as a, one of her students when she's practicing her lessons every, every Saturday night. I mean... <laughs> But what I think, what I also see from Carl, which, which he's talking about, you know, hey, sports saved me because I found something to relate it to my learning. He yeah. didn't like reading. He found reading. And to me, that's something that, that's amazing. Like, like we, we know Carl's a huge baseball fan. He brings that to relate it to, to, to the students. Like, like, it's just making it relatable to the students because mm-hmm. not everybody likes one thing. It's, it's, I think that's a great, great, great I do too. I think the bottom line is just I want to see people improve, mm-hmm. and uh, I think there was there was a time in my my in my learning process as a kid that if you weren't a part of the of the high social class, if you weren't from the one of the families that was making the money mm-hmm. and and doing it all, they would look the other way at you. And I was one of those kids. I felt sometimes, you know, I wasn't a part of that cool that coolness. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think, you know, when there were teachers and that would take me aside, like Mr. Lorenz, that made a big difference in my life. You know, yeah. Yeah. you know, and when if I can do that, if they could do that for me, I could do that for kids, yeah. and that has carried me throughout my whole career. You know, and uh, so he really left a legacy. It was yeah. it was any te- any kid that came out of that classroom will tell you who their favorite teacher was. And there's no doubt about it, you know. So what legacy do you want to leave, Carl? Well, I think the the biggest legacy that I would say is that I cared. I cared about them. I prayed for those kids every day and their parents. 
that I care, uh, I genuinely care about them. You know, when I see them in the area, sometimes even the kids who I didn't teach, they'll come say, hi, Mr. Dunn. But when those kids that I've taught before come through that area and they, and they want to come and say hi, and I said, it's no longer just saying hi and give them a hug. Let's take a picture. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. let's take a picture. Let's, let's uh, celebrate, you know, and, and they say, I, uh, Eric Bilton, she, one of our teachers, um, she'll say, I remember when I was a kid, Mr. Dunn always said, go back and read, go back and read, go back and read. <laughs> and mom and dad. Did she uh, go to our school? She, she's been teaching at, at, at our school, yeah. Hmm. And, uh, she, uh, she'll say, her mom and dad would say, remember what Mr. Dad said. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And when people say my name, I'm, it would make me smile. I mean, I, I, I know that they would probably shake their head. Oh, that, that man was nuts. <laughs> but I was a good nut. <laughs> yes, I agree with that. Okay, what about you, Miguel? What legacy do you want to leave behind? Um, and what do you want people to say when they say your name? Well... I will go with, like, I'll take the part of Carl's. So I'll say I want them to know that I cared. Uh, I also want them to know that I tried. Mm. That, I, that I tried my best because um, as teachers in general, we put long hours. Yeah. Um, and I want those kids to know that I cared and that I put everything that I could for them. And if there was something that I didn't understand, that I try to find other ways so I can help them. Um, uh, also be dependable yeah like um one of those the things that i think i hate to do and i think every teacher does is to be absent i want those kids to know that i'm there every single day and then i'm there ready to teach them ready to you know whatever is going on we're gonna go through it yeah um just that like being dependable being known that i i'll try whatever it needs to be done in order for my kids to succeed um it's just I just want to be remembered as that, like the guy that tried. Yeah. Like he cared, he tried, he put in the time, and he, whatever needed to be done, he did it. Okay, so I have one more question, and here it is. What, you te- you're going to be teaching fifth grade next year. Mm-hmm. All right, so, um, Miguel, what piece of advice would you give the fifth grade you now? <laughs> So that you would pass on to your fifth graders next year. Like, what's the most yeah. important thing that you think fifth graders need to know? Um, to me, it's try. 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 Because just try. Just just try. It, and it doesn't matter if you fail. It doesn't matter if you fail. That at least you went out and, and you put in maximum effort. Because I feel like a lot of students have this pressure of, I have to be an A student, I have to be an A student, I have yeah. to be a student. And I, I've told kids, I was like, hey, you had a 70, 70 let's say 70 last year. Hey, finish the year with a 75 you show growth right and it's to celebrate that at least you tried and guess what it might not, you might not have gotten an a or a hundred or whatever you you were shooting you, for you, you were shooting for but you grew yeah you did better than the year before because to me it's we we're trying to get like trying to teach that hey you got to be better than the day before and if you just moved a few points over hey you grew progress not perfection exactly mm-hmm. because like Rome wasn't built in one day. That's right. <laughs> well, golly, amazing. <laughs> okay, so Carl, you teach third grade. That's right. All right, what would you tell the third grade, Carl, or your third graders coming up next year? What one piece of advice do you think they need to know? This is the new, This is something that I've been really thinking about over the last years. Um, with 
kids being so engrossed with video games and technology that uh, they forgot how to love something other than those items and that to want to become somebody to be something and so I encourage kids now and and I really think I probably did that in third grade so I would say Carl keep doing that dream is to have a dream and work your plan I always tell kids what's your plan what is your plan how are you going to do this how are you going to do that what do you want to be? Do you want to be a fireman? Do you want to be a veterinarian? Do you want to be a soccer player? What are you going to do about it? How are you going to, how are you, how are you going to get there? How are you going to get there? Because you it, don't think it's going to stop, start five or ten years down the road. It starts now. Right. And, it, and so that's, that's my deal is that have a dream and work your plan. There you go. All right. Folks, you heard it here from my friends Carl Dunn and Miguel Hernandez, both elementary school teachers and amazing men. And if you want to reach out to them, um, you can check my, the show notes and I will have contact information for them there. Carl offers tutoring services for reading and writing in second through fifth grade math. I mean, not math, language arts, as well as uh, teaching adults English. That's one of the things he specializes in. And Miguel? Um. <laughs> <laughs> Miguel is not really looking for a side gig right now because I think he's going to be focusing on being an amazing teacher for the coming up year. But if you just want to talk to Miguel because you just want to, you know. Well, I tell you, he's just asking in for different ways to teach or, or how to work with different kids, how to get to kids. That's where Miguel is really strong. I guarantee you, he's a superstar in the making. I he will. I'm. I'm praying and hoping that he'll become a principal one day because he would be just. A, he would be a, a principal that every teacher would want to work for. I think he is going to be start focusing on that leadership piece yeah. soon. So, but if you want to reach out to him, I can I put your contact information on the website as well. I mean, on the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> he looks really hesitant, folks. So he, <laughs> he may change his mind, but anyway, thanks for joining us, guys, and we will talk to you next week. Oh, thank you.